I think we're here to tell you um, uh, maybe three things, because that's about all you can take away from any of this stuff. Um, number one, the economy is better than you know, all right? Um, there's a lot going on, of course. There's a lot of volatility late in the year with the stocks going down and having recovered. Uh, but we're going to make forward progress in this country, and um, we're going to have the longest economic expansion we've ever had, and it's going to go uh, for a considerable while, a lot longer than the average economist is projecting, which is somewhere around 2020. By the way, it's always about a year away when you predict the next recession, all right? So we think it goes on a lot longer. Um, number two, we're not backing away from risk assets. You're going to hear Joe Williams talk about why we're still fully invested in the stock market, uh, largely because um, in a year like we've just had, where you actually had corporate earnings explode, while at the same time prices come down, came down, you're looking at very good returns the following year. So don't get too bashful about um, uh, uh, sticking with the market. And then number three, within those stock markets, it's not a generic market, and Don MacArthur is going to talk about why we're overweight growth on a relative basis, why we're underweight international, and talk about what we're going to be looking um, for uh, as the year progresses. So let's set this all up by talking a little bit about the economy. And as we mentioned, you know, things are a little slower. Um, we came off the best year that we've had in this recovery. Now, we've been recovering since June of 2009, right? This recovery is about to be 10 years old, and it'll be the longest economic recovery we've ever had in this country uh, uh, between two recessions. Um, and so don't think of 10 years as just some finite amount of time uh, because there are other countries that have grown a lot longer. Uh, for instance, Australia is, has grown 26 consecutive years without a recession. So 10 years is not like some fine defined line. But what you see here is the global economy is beginning to roll over after we've just had peak growth. But just because you're rolling over doesn't mean you're heading towards a recession. And this is also picked up when you look at the global PMIs. These are the um, surveys where you call up a purchasing manager at a corporation and say, hey, what are the new orders like? Are you hiring anybody? What is the outlook? But as long as the PMIs are above 50, we are still making forward progress. And note that just because they roll over and decline like they did back in 2016 when we kind of had the energy bust, they can bottom, make forward progress, and move forward. And so while this is a clear cooling and a sign of cooling, it's not necessarily a sign of any recession. Now, one of the reasons this is likely to be the longest economic recovery is because it's also been what? the most anemic economic recovery we've ever experienced. And this is that, uh, you know, the, the line along the bottom of the chart there that shows basically we've only made about half the forward progress that we typically do. But what is it that ends a recovery? Well, generally, it's you use up all of your plant, your capital equipment, and your people. Now, maybe we've used up most of the people. I was just talking to some reporters back there in the room, and, you know, one of the largest complaints in Colombia is the unemployment rate, Teresa, is what? Under 2%. Under 2%. It's 1.8. I'm glad you knew that. Thank God you, thank God you didn't say 7%, right? <laughs> She's still running the bank, aren't you? Are you behind the scenes? Are you still hiding in the vault? <laughs> Are you? Okay. Um, uh, uh, but at any rate, uh, the one thing we are running out of even though this has been the most shallow economic recovery we've ever had, are people. But we still have excess plant capital equipment, and you note that what, what has inflation been? It's only about 2%. So it's not growing rapidly enough that the Federal Reserve has to come along and do what? 
choke the economy until it rolls over. And so they're in the process today of coming out of their meeting by the time we leave this room, and they're about to tell you that we are no longer going to try and choke this economy because we don't need to because inflation has been so modest. And, and just so because it's been the shallowest, I can still see that this could go for quite a while before we get up to the point where basically the Federal Reserve is going to have to push back on rates enough um, to uh, push us into a recession. Secondly, I might add, it's not just the Federal Reserve that has to be pushing rates up to push us into a recession. We need some type of exogenous financial shock of some time to accompany that. Think about all the shocks that we've had in the past, and they're always different. In 1974, what, what created the recession? I'll bet you were around in 74. I was. The oil. The oil. Exactly. It was the oil price embargo. In 79, it was the wage price spiral and Paul Volcker raising rates to 21%. In um, 1990, it was the first Iraq war. In 2000, it was the Internet bubble. And in 2007, it was, we all remember this, the housing crisis, right? So who wants to tell me what the next recession is going to be? I don't know. You, those, were, those were quite a, you know, a host, of, host of things. I have some ideas, but, but nonetheless, we still think we're quite a ways away from a recession. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to start to grow at this 3-plus percent rate. We grew, uh, this country grew from three, at 3.1 percent pace of GDP. This is adjusted for inflation, so a real growth of 3 percent per year from 1951 to essentially 2007. Now, the uh, recovery that we've been uh, having has only been about a 2% recovery, and the reason for that is threefold. And we're stuck with these three things that create headwinds for us, essentially, for the rest of most of our lives. And by most of us, I'm talking about the baby boomers in this room. I'm the tail end of the baby boom generation. I'm 57 years old. I was born in 1961. And basically, we're confronted with getting these baby boomers off the planet, so we can get back to those growth rates. And what do I mean by off the planet? Die. Right, right. So we need them. This is, I used to work at a steel company, and we used to root for our employees to die, right? The pension, we couldn't afford the pension plan. You wake up every year and, and hope that they're dying, right? So, so this is what we've got is a situation where the boomers are sucking so much life out of the economy because as they're aging that we really need you know, to, to move them along. Or we need to open up immigration or you know, create more babies down at the bottom to build, build a better base. But, but you can see that we've built up a huge amount of debt, and that debt won't go down until basically um, we begin to save more and spend less. And that's what the boomers are doing. As they move towards retirement, they begin to save more and spend less. And so you see this reduction in debt, but if you're going to reduce debt, you're not pulling growth forward, that acts as a headwind, and we're stuck with this for a number of years. Secondly, we know demographics, of course, are moving against us. The average age of the average worker continues to grow and grow and grow. We've been doing these things for, it feels like, what? I don't know. How many of these annually have we had, Teresa? What do you think? Eight years in a row. And so, you know, we all know that largely we keep coming back right? And we're all getting about a year older each year. And so, you know, the aging of the country, um, the demographics are pushing back. And of course, what I didn't put up there, the other D, so it's debt, demographics, and our deficit, which we're going to continue to wrestle with as entitlement spending becomes more and more um, prevalent. We always talk about the bad things, though, that keep growth slow. What about the good things? Well, we're as wealthy as we've ever been. Um, I suppose that's one reason why Commerce Trust is the 19th largest trust company in the country is because our wealth has grown and grown and we've saved and saved and saved. Um, and by the way, we're the largest trust company as long as we get to define the geographic region, right? <laughs> right? So let's be clear about that. All right? So we're the largest trust company here. <laughs> right here. Um, 
the uh, uh, you know cumulative wealth in this country is 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 five times GDP. It's an all-time record, and we're 50 percent wealthier today as a country than we were prior to the last recession. So our liabilities. As big as they seem, all the debts that we talk about are small relative to the size of our worth. Now, there's no doubt that the economic cycle peaked and we're rolling over. There's no doubt that we're on the other side of the roller coaster. We've already gone up and we're coming down the hill. And the only question is, when do you get to the bottom? You can see this in car sales. I always love to ask, is there a, is there, is there a, is there a car dealer in the room? Do we have a car dealer? All right. When did car sales peak? When did they peak? last year, maybe even the year before. And, you know, we've satiated quite a bit of the demand. And, of course, interest rates are a little bit higher, and credit standards are getting a little tougher at the banks. And, of course, delinquencies are actually picking up a little bit in the car lending space. So, basically, you know, this is, this is rolling over. Housing starts, we know, are, are coming in at not nearly as robust a pace as they used to because rates have come up and the price of housing has come up, and so the affordability has come down. And so you can see that housing isn't going to drive us any further. Um, fortunately, we don't have an a, a huge supply of inventory. And one of the nicest things we've got going on here is a slight rebound in capital spending. You never get this. Once capital spending peaks and rolls over, we have a recession. Peaks, rolls over, recession. Peaks, roll over. Ah, look at this. No recession. The new tax package that we put in place that cut corporate taxes and accelerated depreciation is bringing people back into the market. And it just makes sense that companies are reinvesting now back in capital equipment and software and things like that because what? They can't find any people to throw at the problem. So they've got to throw machinery and equipment and software at the problem. And so this little rebound is exceptionally positive because it helps extend the recovery with an, on a non-inflationary basis. Now, you never have a recession. And by the way, um, if you're worried about stocks in this recession, the stock market peaks on average five months before you have a recession. And so if you really think the stock market peaked, in October, on October 3rd, five months later, we'd be having a recession. So if this was the stock market's leading indicator that we're about to have a recession, the recession needs to start March 3rd or a month from now, okay? And you don't get a recession until unemployment begins to roll over and we hire fewer and fewer and fewer people. And this took a year to happen, all right? And this took several years for unemployment to roll over, roll over. And until unemployment actually, or employment goes negative, and here's where we are today. Until this begins to roll over and goes negative, we don't have a recession. As long as you promise we hire just one person cumulatively next year, the country never goes backwards. It goes backwards when we start losing jobs. But we're still creating jobs. My gosh, we're going to have a job print on Friday. Now, if, 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 if you tell me, Colbert, it's negative on Friday, I've got to start to change my whole speech. I've got to change everything up, and I'm going to tell you first, I'm going to explain to you that it was the government shutdown and the statistics are all warped. I will hide behind that for at least one more month. But if you give me two months of a negative job report, then you can tell me, all right, we're totally wrong. The stock market did peak on October 3rd, and we're going to have this recession that people are worried about. But we don't see that because we don't have any other indica indicator that would suggest that we're in a recession. Now, how much further do we have to go before we have this recession? Why do I even ask? Why do you even care? What do you think? Why do you care? Why do you care if there's a recession? Do you really care? You're probably retired. You, you care? No, you don't care. You care because your portfolio went down 55% in 
in the last recession, and it went down 50% in the prior recession. You lost half your stock market value. You turned your 401k, or what was left of it, into the 201k, right? That's why you're worried about the recession. But these are our leading economic indicators. And first off, the leading economic indicators always peak about 12 to 18 months prior to recession. They peak and they roll over. Our leading economic indicators have not peaked, and they continue to make forward progress. That'd be point one. Number two, after they fall, they have to recover. And once they recover, on average, we grow for another six years. Now, because our recovery, first off, because our recession was so deep, it was 60% deeper than any other recession we'd ever have. It was so deep. And because the recovery is so shallow, it took forever just to get back to where we were. We didn't really get back to where we were until March of 2017. But then on average, you get another six years of growth, which takes you out to essentially 71 months, takes you out to February, February of 2023, which is about three years longer, or at least two and a half years longer than the average economic expansion forecasted right now. So this is an out of consensus thought that we can continue to grow for four more years. I'm running for governor. Four more years, right? Now, if you didn't like that chart, this one's better and it's more positively and, and, and the coefficient, the correlation is much stronger. The number of uh, years that you have a steep yield curve, in other words, that short-term rates are lower than long-term rates, is very proportionate to the recovery. And in fact, for every year that you have short rates lower than longer-term rates, you get 1.2 years of recovery. And we've had about 140 months of, of rate, you know, of positive uh, uh, yield curve. And so 140 months times 1.2 takes you out to exactly, and mind you, I've tortured these statistics to come up with this, which I think is pretty incredible, February 2023. So I get the exact same answer out of either chart either way. And most people aren't thinking about it that way. And then I just want you to think about the physicality of it just simply this way. The Federal Reserve, we talked about, has to raise rates high enough to slow the economy and economic growth fast enough to push us into a recession. The last three times they've done this, they had to take rates three and a quarter percent above trailing inflation. Where's inflation today? What do you think? Two percent. Sure you knew that. You're going to tell her that, right, Perry? Perry gets these charts and graphs monthly whether he wants them or not. Two percent. Where are short-term rates? About two and a quarter, two and a half percent. So the Federal Reserve has barely pushed rates into what we would consider to be restrictive territory. On average, three and a quarter percent is what it takes to create a recession. The lowest it's ever been is two and a half. If inflation's two, that tells you the Federal Reserve has to get short-term rates to four and a half percent. They are so far away from four and a half percent and pushing us into a recession that I really do think we can have, we do have the opportunity to really grow. Now, one thing that's helping us expand here, too, is that rates overseas are so low. And the next six largest borrowers on the planet are only borrowing money at 1% per year. So that's helping keep our rates low, which also helps continue the expansion. And, of course, the Fed isn't fighting inflation right now. With inflation just now finally back to their target, 2%, and energy prices low, and actually we're slowing, we're not accelerating, it's pretty easy to see why the Federal Reserve is going to come out and say we are on permapause until things improve because they don't have to fight back against inflation. And perhaps the best thing for our outlook and the outlook for financial assets is the dollar has peaked. As the dollar strengthens, it puts tremendous pressure on the emerging markets. It slows China and it hurts all the peripheral credits. And as the dollar now is peaking, and why is the dollar peaking? Because the Federal Reserve is stopping their rate hike. 
When our rates are higher, money flows towards the U.S. dollar. But now that it's not going to keep getting much higher and higher, now monies can flow overseas, and this is very positive for financial assets overseas. So basically, we see an economy that's going to continue to expand. We, don't, we see a slowdown, but we don't see a recession. Globally, it's about the same thing. The Fed is going to be accommodative. We think the stock market has peaked and is setting us up for an exceptionally good year. The risk of loss in securities and other investments can be substantial. You should always carefully consider whether investments either entered into directly by you or through Commerce Trust or any financial institution on a discretionary managed basis is appropriate for you in light of your investment objectives, financial circumstances, tax status, your tolerance to risk, and your investment experience. In considering whether to trade or invest, you should inform yourself and be aware of the risk generally. Non-depository investments offered in connection with Commerce Bank are not guaranteed, are not FDIC insured, and as noted earlier, may lose value. Any information provided is for the purpose of general education, information, or illustration only, and is not to be treated as the opinion of Commerce Trust Company or Commerce Bank as a recommendation on any future investment or market behavior. Providing this information, which may be of value to you or others in the general audience, shall not detract from an investor's responsibility to take all such steps and make all such inquiries as may be necessary or desirable to ensure that you fully understand and are familiar with any potential future investment. Neither Commerce nor any of its officers, employees, or agents have made any recommendation or given any advice as to the terms and profitability of any investment or market activity which may be referenced here. Accordingly, you understand that you are and shall at all times be fully responsible for any investment transaction you choose to enter into and that you shall not have relied on any of the following information from Commerce as a basis for an investment decision. Please also note that the Commerce Trust Company does not offer tax, legal, or specific estate planning advice, and while we may provide information or express general opinions from time to time, such information or opinions are not offered as professional tax or legal advice. If you are in any doubt about the risk involved in any trading or investment arrangements, or you are uncertain of or have not understood any aspect of this risk disclosure statement, you should seek independent professional advice. Markets, economic forecasts, and specific investments can change from time to time based on a variety of individual, interrelated, or complex factors of varying degrees. This disclosure statement cannot, of course, disclose all the risks and other significant aspects of investments, economies, or markets in which you may elect to transact from time to time. You should therefore carefully study relevant investment arrangements in advance of making decisions regarding investing.